Good morning. So good to be with you. Thank you, Mark and Shannon, for allowing Lori and I to come. It's always a, it's always a joy to be here. And I'm so excited for you as a church. Um, next week, as you break ground on, on the new edition and what an exciting thing that is. I, I hope you realize and recognize um, what a great church you are. I mean, think about this. You've gone through a year of transition, brand new pastor, and all, you know, that changes staff and changes people. New people come, old people go, and everybody, all that kind of stuff. In the midst of all that, and you think you can just plug and play, you know, man, new pastor, uh, we're okay. It takes, it takes its toll on a church, and you come through it so great. It's like, it's like a wife saying, uh, yeah, to the kids, yeah, dad left, but I got a new guy. We had a search committee. We got a new guy. We'll be all right. You know, it, it takes a little while. In the midst of that, you've helped the church in the Santan Valley, with a restart and a revitalization. There's a new church going on in Arcadia starting next week because of this church and the, and the resources and the people and the help. And, and the kingdom has continued to expand. Plus, you raised, what, a million and a half or $2 million through that whole process. And you guys gotta be tired somewhere along the line right here. But I just, I just want you to know you are a great church to go through all that with strength and the future is bright. So can you just stand up and give yourself a hand. Would you just do that with me? Just give McDowell Mountain Community Church a great applause and hand. You are a great, great church. Uh, all right. That was pretty weak, but that's okay. <laughs> Valentine's Day. I want you to know that the supreme value of a Christ follower is love. It's number one. Love. In fact, when Jesus was asked one time, can you kind of whittle this whole thing down because there's all these commandments and laws? And Can you kind of whittle it down? He said, yeah, pretty easy. Love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another. Love others as you'd love yourself. And just about the time you go, yeah, that, well, that's kind of easy. He goes, well, let me just tell you. And in John, the 13th chapter, he just says, let me just give you a, a new command that you haven't really heard. Love one another. And you're, okay, love God, love one another, got that. No, 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 love one another as I love you. As I love you, love one another. Now, I don't know about you, but after I hear those two things, it sounds kind of easy, but I look at that and I see the standard that he lays there and I go, oh my goodness, I better love better. I mean, if I'm going to be a disciple, and then he, he tags onto that, that verse, people will know you're my disciples when you love one another. People will know you belong to Christ when they see love. And I go, yikes. And maybe it's just me, but I look at that and go, I better love better. I better love better. Paul kind of kicks on this theme. He has a whole chapter on love. You know, 1 Corinthians 13. Like, if you don't love, you're like a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. I mean, you can throw your whole body and sacrifice it. And if you don't have love, it means nothing. He says, the great things that abide will abide forever. Faith, hope, and love. And love, love is the greatest of these. And I came across a verse of scripture in Philippians from Paul that, that just has gotten a hold of me and doesn't let go. 
And he says in, the, in that very first chapter, when he's talking about the church he loves so much in Philippi, he says, God can testify, in verse 8, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He says, you know, if you put a witness stand up here and you're going to have God testify about me, he wouldn't talk about my sermons, he wouldn't talk about my programs, he wouldn't talk about my leadership, he wouldn't talk about, he would testify, Paul, your love, your you have longed for people with the affection of Christ. That's what, that's, that's the highest value in my life, Paul. Not your great theology, your love. You long. That word long is, is the word for an athlete that stretches out like a race, uh, a runner racing and just trying to stretch out to the, to the finish line. We, we're not so much into track, we're more into football. And so kind of kept a view of, of Cam Newton killing the hearts of all of us in the Cardinals. You have a little picture of Cam Newton, you can throw up there. That's longing. I mean, everything's out there. Throws his body out there. People are beating on him, and he's stretching. He just gets that ball across the goal line, and the heart and the life and the dreams of the Cardinals and every one of us just goes, shoo. That's longing. Paul longs for others with the affection of Christ. Or it could be like Cam Newton in the Super Bowl when he fumbled. It was more like this. Let me show you. Yeah. That's not so much longing. That's more like the love that we have. It's like, oh, okay. First John 4.19 just simply says this. We love because Christ loved us first. So here's what I want you to get a hold of this morning. It's on your bulletin if you want to read it. It says this. The greater our awareness of Christ's love for us, the greater our love will eventually become. We love because he loved us first. I love others. I long for others when I understand the affection of Christ for me. Whenever my vision of Christ's love has been expanded, my capacity to love gets expanded. So today I just want to take you on a little journey where you can have your, your, your vision of, of how much God loves you expanded. Because I hope at the end of this message, you'll say, like I've been saying all week, I, I better love better. Better. Okay, Luke 15. You know this, you know this chapter like, like maybe no other chapter in the Bible. The context of this chapter is that Jesus is having conversation, protracted conversation with people that are about as far away from God as you can ever imagine. Not only is he having these conversations with, with these people, he's going to dinner with them. He's spending time with them. They are pagan, pathetic, vulgar. By their own admission, they would say, I'm as far away from God as possible. And Jesus is loving them, basically. And the Pharisees come up, and they start to spot him doing this. And they start muttering among themselves, this guy calls himself the son of God. He's the coming Messiah. But the son of God would never talk to those guys. The son of God would have nothing to do with those guys. Jesus, I don't know if he overhears their mutterings or if he's just because he's Jesus, he knows. But he walks up to this group of Pharisees, the religious elite of the day, and he says, hey, guys, I don't know if you have a second or not, but I got three quick stories. And what do you tell the son of God? Sit on for a minute. I got three quick stories. And bang, bang, bang. 
he hits him with stories that, that we grew up with. But imagine hearing these stories for the very first time. Jesus says, it's like a shepherd who had 100 sheep and one wanders away. And when the shepherd counts them all off and he recognizes that one is gone, he cares for the 99, but he leaves them in a safe spot and he, he goes all night and all day until he finds that one lost sheep. And when he finds the lost sheep, he doesn't beat the sheep. He picks the lamb up and carries it back. And as soon as he gets back in the safety of, of the rest of the, of the sheep and the flock, he calls all his friends and neighbors and says, hey, I'm throwing a party. I would like you to come and celebrate because I found this lamb before something worse happened to him. And we're all back again, and they have a huge party. And then he throws another story, and there's like a woman, Jesus says, that has 10 coins, loses one, can't find it anywhere, and literally turns the house upside down trying to find that one-tenth of all her belongings that is gone. And as soon as she finds it, it's party time for her and all her friends and neighbors that what was lost is now found. And then the one that's perhaps the most famous, he says, it's like a dad who has two boys. The one son grows up and says, hey, I know I've got an inheritance coming. Dad, I'd like it now. I would like it like immediately. And not only is this disappointing for a father's ears, in those days, it's scandalous. But the dad gives him his money, and off with pockets full of cash, he heads out into the foreign country and the foreign land, and he spends it on everything, bad things. doesn't take long before it's gone. He's living in this, this little town with his below-minimum-wage job feeding pigs. And pretty soon, the Bible says, the food of the pigs starts looking pretty good to him. And it's at that time there's a wake-up call Bible says he comes to his senses and he recognizes this is going nowhere. This is ridiculous. I've got to head back home. And he starts rehearsing in his head how he's going to see his dad and what he's going to do and he's going to fall down and he's going to apologize to him. This whole thing about inheritance is a fiasco. I don't even know what I was asking. And he's just going to skip over that real quick and just, just kind of saunter off to the servant's quarters and live the rest of his life as a servant because he knows he doesn't belong to be back in the family. And on that long walk home, as he's going over that last hill, off in the distance, he sees this old man running toward him with his robe all hiked up so he won't trip. And as, a, as this man gets closer, he reckons, this, this is my dad. And he must be ticked. And as the man gets closer, he sees tears in his eyes. Before he can get a word out, his father just envelops him with his arms and starts hugging him, welcome home, welcome home, my son, and just starts all these sloppy kisses all over him, just embracing him, I can't wait to get you home, we're gonna get home, we're gonna throw a huge party. And with new clothes and a new, new ring, family ring, kind of like the credit card, he's back in the family. And as Jesus just throws these stories off, he just kind of sits back and, and leaves it with the Pharisees, doesn't, doesn't go point by point with the whole thing and everything. Just, you guys think about that. You think about that. It's like he's going, um, I'm hoping, like, now that you've heard these stories, you're going to say, ooh, I better love better. I better love better. I mean, if, 
if anything, we've, we've learned through the, the years is that these three stories go together. So these common themes that kind of drag them and hold them and keep them all together are just something that I would pull your, your, your attention to for just a moment. And that is that it's very evident as you look in those three stories that there's, there's lost items in each one. There's a lost coin. There's a lost sheep. There's a lost son. Something's missing. Something's lost. But not only missing and lost, very, very valuable to the one who owned or possessed that. I mean, to that shepherd, that sheep meant everything. To that woman, that coin was very valuable. To that dad, that son mattered the whole world to him. Like any parent with a wayward child, it it meant everything to him to have this son back. And it's like Jesus tells a story and he's looking at these guys and goes, I know what you think about these people that I'm, I'm trying to live my life with and to and love and converse. I know they're not your type of people. I know they're not church people. I know they're not like you. I know they, they have, they've made horrible choices that, and they continue to make choices. I, I know you would never, ever want to be with, they annoy you to death. I know that. I know they don't matter one iota to you. But I want you to know this. They mean everything to my heavenly father. They mean everything. And I want you just to kind of get a glimpse of God's love to the people you never would think deserve it. I mean, I remember when it was a big wake-up call for me. Growing up in the church, Pastoring for a long time, when also I realized, I realized lost people matter to God. They do. One of the reasons this church exists, because that's a conviction that I had and that we have. Lost people matter. We got to love these people. I've been around long enough to also recognize found people matter to God as well. I mean, the sheep weren't all kicked away for the one. Found people matter. Isn't it just finally, we've politicized this so much, it's kind of crazy, but Maybe this is new to you, but all people matter to God. Old people, young people, rich people, poor people, black people, white people, brown people. I wonder if we could get lenses of Luke 15 and put them on so that everywhere we go, every moment of every day, every person we see, we see in the lenses of Luke 15 that reminds us, hey, my heavenly father loves that person, loves those people. And are you ready for this? So should I. If I'm gonna follow him, if I'm gonna emulate him, I should love like that. And I don't know about you, but I go, whew, I better love better then. I mean, let me just ask you this. Who do you, who do you just despise? Who can't you stand? It'd be kind of fun to get that little camera and go, if we could just kind of suck it right out of your mind that that person that you can't stand goes on the screen. Wouldn't that be a fun church service? <laughs> right up there. Who, who you, if you could vote them off the island, who would it be? <laughs> you know, like Seahawk fans, Democrats, Republicans, 
Trumpkins, <laughs> slow drivers, people with another accent, people with a different ethnicity, people with a different religion. People that don't look like you, talk like you, dress like you, vote like you. I mean, when it really sinks in, people, all people are immensely loved by my heavenly father. I gotta love better. I gotta gotta be better at this. Second thing that comes through this story is not only are these, are these lost items loved and valued, they're sought after. There's a rescue, search and rescue that goes on. The shepherd goes after the sheep. The woman turns the house upside down looking for the coin. The, the, the father is searching the horizon every day. Is this the day he comes back? Is this the day he comes back? It's like Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, let me just tell you, not only does God love everybody, he sent me. I'm the stretching of heaven. I'm the longing of heaven. The affection of Christ is my Father. The love of heaven, stretching, searching, seeking, knocking on hearts' doors because everybody, everybody's loved by my Father. And I'll tell you how far the stretch and the reach goes. It goes all the way to the cross. That's how far. Do you love like that? Jesus saying, I love you so much. I have a future for you. I have a plan for you. I have forgiveness for you. I have eternity for you. I have purpose for you. Wow. These, these Pharisees fall into our category so much where oh, we, we don't hate those people. We just ignore them, snub them. They're, it's not our business. Those aren't our people. Not my concern. Let someone else take care of them. Jesus, you got better things to do. Church people, you got better things to do. And and here it is. I mean, if, if I were to love like the heavenly father loves this world, I would turn the world upside down to try to connect people to his love. I would never quit searching. I would never quit traveling. I would never quit inviting. I would never quit speaking and talking. I would, I would never quit loving. Just that, that I could long to show people the love and the affection of Christ Jesus, that they might somehow be enveloped by Christ. Then the interesting thing to me that when it's all said and done, the search is happening, the rescue is happening, they just throw a huge party. Every time there's this celebration, with the rescue. I love that. I love this morning when we had, you know, we partied with the couples here. Did you notice the couple that had been married for 44 years was the worst at all that? But that's another story. <laughs> we just, just, I mean, sheep comes home, they party. Find the coin, party. So, and in Luke, the 15th chapter, it says this. When one sinner, When one sinner comes home, repents, heaven throws a party. Just one. 
Cameron in the baptism, big party. Just one, that's all it takes. I, I don't know what a heavenly party looks like when God commissions the angels to show up. I don't know how many, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000? Uh, let's go 100,000. 100,000 angels commissioned. You guys are gonna party. Now, I don't know what that looks like when angels party. I don't know how they dance. I don't know the games they play, like how many angels can we get on a head of a pin? You know, I don't know if they go with, I don't know what food they serve, angel food cake. I don't, I don't know. But can you imagine 100,000 angels living it, partying up a storm, and at the head table, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, with a huge banner behind them, with the name of a repentant sinner, and their photo on the banner. We honor them. We love them. We rejoice. That's how much heaven loves. One person that comes home. Here's what blows me away. There was a day in my life when the 100,000 angels came together commissioned by God, and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit sat at the head table, and my name was on the banner. And my photo was flashed all throughout heaven. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there was a party in heaven for you. When you came home, there was a banner with your name and your name and your name and your name. That's how much he loves us. That's how much our God loves us. The thought of he's spending eternity with us causes all of heaven to rejoice. So let's go back to the premise of this whole thing. The greater our awareness of Christ's love for us, the greater our love, the capacity of our love will expand. I'll give you a challenge today. Little invisible glasses to put on that give you Luke 15 lenses that from the moment you get up out of your seat today, everywhere you go, you will see people like our Heavenly Father sees them. That you'll know they matter to God. Go to a restaurant, people that wait on you, the traffic in the parking lot. When you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school, go to the campus, every person you see, you see with new lenses. New lenses. What if all the divisions in our country going on right now, all the divisions on race, you know, what color is your skin and who really matters? What if, what, if, what if all of a sudden the lenses of the Heavenly Father were, were focused on that? What if, it's, what if it's not, I'll love evangelicals, but I can't love Mormons, I can't love Muslims? What if, what if we'd see how God loves and looks at every one of us? What if it's old and young alike? What if it's Republican and Democrat alike? What if it doesn't matter who you vote for or what you look like? What if some of the stupidest choices that people make no longer no longer were the important things as much as just the love of our Heavenly Father 
that says, I want you to know more than anything, the son, Jesus Christ, is out to rescue you. And if you can't see that love, you can feel it in, in me, in the way I, I treat you, in the way I act, in the way I love you. What if we could have those kind of lenses? Maybe, just maybe, what Jesus said would be true, that they would know we are his disciples because we love. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, as we close this time, we're going to sing a song and we're going to focus again on your great love. I pray that you would do some expanding during this time that as we catch a fresh glimpse of your love, that our capacity to love would expand as well. There are some of us, Lord, we just need a a, a new start with this thing. We need you to cleanse us. There's a lot of junk, prejudice, and stereotyping. We treat people, we don't even know why we treat people the way we treat, we just do. I pray that you would you'd wash some of that stuff away, all of it away, and that you'd refill us with the affection of Christ, with your love. Lord, there might be, there might be some people here that are just one prayer away from initiating this huge party in heaven just simply by coming home, just by coming back to you. One prayer away. May may that prayer be said. May it be uttered this morning. Fill this room, fill this church with an overflowing of the affection of Christ. God is our witness. May people know that we are your disciples because of our love. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Pastor Alan.